0: to the latest episode of Provincial State of Mind, myself Owen Harrison and Tom Savage. This is a podcast focused on all four Irish provincial sides in both the URC and European competitions. We discuss what happened the previous weekend, what we can expect from each province in their upcoming games, as well as any major off-field news. Now, as you may have noticed from the intro, we don't have Jeff with us at the moment. We we kicked him
1: off the podcast.
0: He's currently serving (laughs) a suspension. Uh, He's in the sin bin.
1: We, and we'll just do that thing where we won't mention why he's been suspended so everyone will just be going fucking nuts what did he do
0: look the legal team are taking care of that now as we speak yeah
1: they, they, they're working through all the kinks you know um, he promises that he will not do do cocaine I mean, no, maybe not the, the C drug ever again
0: yeah, now that's with our lawyers and we may have to bleep some of that out but we'll leave that there so what have you been up to this week Tom
1: uh, this weekend I was on a bog, and I was uh, stacking turf for it to dry. But when I was there, when I was doing this, um, I was kind of roped into this relatively late in the week. Um, there was a a lot of people there. Well, there was there was around five or six people, and uh, one of the guys was playing music on his phone, and he you know he was, just wasn't really planning on what he was going to play, and you just started playing, and there was kind of old school kind of rock pop music and stuff like that. And it kind of dawned on me around maybe 15, 20 minutes in that girls just want to have fun was playing. And I thought to myself, this is probably the first time ever on this bog where people have been working for hundreds of not thousands of years, that girls just want to have fun Was heard on the top of this bog, And there was, there was like throwing fucking sod turf up into an igloo shape, which is girls just want to have fun. It was just it was the most <laughs> ill-fitting music that I've ever heard. Uh, I, it just didn't didn't suit where I was on an ancient bog pulling this black shit into fucking into a, into an igloo.
0: So you're saying the bog is not a Cindy Lauper type vibe? There? If
1: I think seeing Cindy Lauper on a bog in Kerry, I don't know how I could even process it. It'd just be like, am I dreaming? Like, <laughs> did, did I get knocked out on the way here? <laughs>
0: Right. And now, now I think what we need to do is we do need to ask the listeners then as to what is the appropriate music for being on bog. What is appropriate bog music is the question. Yes. That's the question of the week. I think so. I we, we, uh, we,
1: we, we, we could ask Jeff what he's doing, but um I'm not sure if he can take the phone call in jail. I'm 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 genuinely not sure if, if, if we can actually get him on. We'll we'll try later on.
0: He only has the one phone call. Only and he the one What
1: did you do for the weekend?
0: Uh, Well, actually, I didn't have too much going on at the weekend, but I have been getting, I won't say bored with my work, but I need a change, something to change with my work. And I was trying to come up with ideas of what I could do to change. And I've come up with an idea. Now, it's not a finalized plan. It's more a sort of a, if you were on The Apprentice and you had to come up with something with three other assholes who Mm -hmm. were trying to, you know, Get along and do the project, and I've come up with the idea. If it was of... two
1: other assholes, you could just ask myself and Jeff to come. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I needed someone else,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and maybe I might get you on. I might. Go uh, there
1: forward. we go. Yep, yep. <laughs> I think. So what's your what what? So what's your job?
0: My job is that I am going. I have. I've been looking at it and. The bars and the pubs are starting to fill up again and there's um, the festivals are coming and all this. And the biggest problem is getting to the bar and getting served, Mm -hmm. right? There's always queues, it's always manic and getting to the bar and getting served. Now, if you're someone like, say, R.G. Snyman, that's easy, you just reach in over the top of everyone hold your money there and the barman sees you and there's no problem. But for the rest of us mere mortal people, how do you get into the front of the queue? And I was thinking about it and I was going... Do you know who'd be perfect at this? Tideburn. Tideburn's mauling and jackal entries yes. into the breakdown. Yes. Now, similar to cool camps, I think for students and festival goers and people, young people who go to, to crowded pubs in the city centre, we could get the Ty Burn school of getting served at the bar. Yes. How to get in, under, and just pop up at the bar. Just yoink someone's pint off. How did
1: he even get there? It's like, exactly. For just 900 euro, you can learn just how to get there. Exactly. (laughs) It's worth it. It'll pay off. It'll be worth it in the end.
0: I think this is a license (laughs) to print money. Right. I really do. I just need to get Tyburn to associate his name with the, with the equivalent of the summer camps. We could run a week long thing in a bar, you know, with Tide coming in and giving him the medals at the end of the week, <laughs> we can get some some college students happens, with a bit of morning experience.
1: What happens if you're in the queue at the bar is pretty long, right? There's a yeah. long queue at the bar. You can't go back down because you lose your spot. All of a sudden, though, you're bursting. you got to go to the toilet. So you're thinking, fuck, what do I do here? I can't, I can't leave where I am. can't go I can't I can't I can't go because I lose my spot at the bar so I I had an idea I was thinking well thinking just there what could you do and I'm thinking (laughs) you have it in your pocket right you open it up and there you go and nobody needs to know nobody needs to know again we'll have to work it out with legal we will but but we I, I I think I think I have a marketing plan too, but we'll we'll wait and see. I'm not sure if it'll work. We'll, have, well, yeah, we'll We, wait we might
0: it. be able to wrap this all into one enterprise. Tom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll probably have to bleep that on the. Edit. <laughs> we have enough
0: legal fucking shit. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of legal problems we have on there. Yeah,
1: we've we've enough trouble. We've enough trouble trying to get Jeff off his uh, off the the drug deal. But other than that, like, is we we should have a bit of space for them. They'll be able to go look and see. So it'll be good.
0: Yeah, it's a good thing we have them on a retainer, to be honest. Exactly,
1: uh, worth every penny,
0: worth exactly. So we'll start off with the rugby. Then uh, we'll start off with the semi-final review from the URC, and we'll start with the. Game from Friday night where the Bulls beat Leinster 27-26 at the RDS on Friday night. Um, a very impressive and somewhat unexpected win for the Bulls, um, I think. the
1: None of us predicted it anyway.
0: No, all of us went for uh, Leinster. Um, although, to be fair, we did say that the Bulls could cause them some problems, but yeah, it did. was putting a consistent effort in. I think I, think I was
1: definitely hinting in between the lines that the Bulls would win, really. I think looking back on <laughs> <in> it, <laughs> the subtext was there for all to see. <laughs>
0: yes.
1: <laughs> we did really say the yeah, Bulls, when, when you we think just had to say
0: Leinster. Yeah. When you
1: think about it hard enough, um, it was, do you know what? I was watching this game in Clontarf because uh, I was driving uh, my girlfriend and her friends to Dermot Kennedy in uh, St. Anne's Park in Clontarf. And there was a pub there, Connolly's, where uh, I because I wasn't going to the to the concert. That was just for the girls. So I was waiting around for them to drive them back. So I went to the I went to the pub to watch the game, and full of Leinster fans, obviously, and one Bulls fan, <laughs> me.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was, you brought your Bulls jersey. I with the you Bulls jersey.
0: You? <laughs> oh my god, fucking great crack! <laughs> I mean, to me. Like I think the the tone for the game was set almost from the kickoff. Leinster went down and they got into the twenty two and they started hammering away. And suddenly Robbie Henshaw was stripped f- from the ball, like on almost on the try line. A and... huge
1: moment. Like that's that that like that was Leinster looking to start that big Leinster start that they do. And like once they start like that, like all of a sudden you're just like, how are we seven points down? Like how how did that happen? And it's just one of those like, is it it was a huge moment for the Bulls to turn
0: that around. Yeah. And I think similar to some of the stuff that O'Gara had said about La Rochelle, it's, you know, it's about staying in the fight and things like that and making sure that you can survive almost that first quarter, that if you're, if you're still in it after the first quarter and you have kept in the game, then it, it takes on a different, I suppose, um flow to the match. Because if Leinster get off to that, as you said, if they get off to that quick start, then things become so much easier when the other team has to chase the game and move away from their necessarily their set game plan on it. Um, And I thought the Bulls did that. They really, they like the Bulls were actually, I think, the lighter pack overall, but they still took on Leinster physically. And particularly, they did similar things to La Rochelle in that they took them on physically, they attacked their set piece. And they messed up the breakdown and they started attacking the breakdown and looking to either win penalties and turnovers or at least slow the ball down. And that really stalled Leinster's attacking play.
1: Honestly, I think if you look at the Bulls and I think you look at Leinster in general this season, when they've lost games, they tend to be under 95% completion at the Ruck, which Leinster were exactly 95% in this game they tend to have a trouble in, in trouble in at least one set piece but in the in the in the lineout in particular is a killer to leinster if you disrupt their lineout and third if you go kick for kick with them where you match them just on raw volume of kicks and on the raw distance in kicks you can all of a sudden begin to, again i think we spoke about this the last time make leinster's possession expensive and you all of a sudden start to see inefficiencies in their game where knock-ons are all of a sudden a big deal and some of the past quality issues that I think they've had in games against big physical opposition become a problem and that's something that the Bulls were able to expose as the game went on and again look a lot of big physical men I know they weren't necessarily as heavy as Leinster but there's a lot of big hitters in that Bulls team and I think they really put Leinster under a lot of pressure and I I think Leinster when you make their possession expensive again like again we look at Leinster and I think there's a a kind of a a correlation here with Ireland. They tend to have a lot of possession generally. So if there's any knock-ons or inefficiencies, it doesn't really matter because they get the ball back and they, they will find like, they almost like I know the whole thing of a blue wave or whatever is the fan thing, but like they come at you like a wave almost. So like, if they don't catch you on the first one, like they'll keep coming and keep coming. And I think what the bulls did very well was just stop them from getting any momentum, but making their possessions very expensive, so that any mistake be- became quite a high cost thing for them.
0: Yeah, and I think like you you there about the <clears throat> attacking the set piece. I think the scrum was interesting. I thought Leinster maybe got the rub of the green in that, and it wasn't as big an issue as it was in the say Heineken Cup final. But they were definitely under pressure. It, it wasn't a an area of dominance um, or a platform that they could necessarily work off. Um, with with ease but it was the line out um, particularly and the Bulls I think there was there was two things around the, the line out the Bulls were I thought impeccable on their own line out. they were just and it, it wasn't just that they were they were winning ball but they were winning it so cleanly and so well it was the hooker was throwing and it was getting at the very top of the arc
1: Yeah, to perfect. big second yeah. rows
0: it, it was perfect tr- throwing perfect timing it was lovely to it see re- some really of the stood art out. around it,
1: because again, like Leinster are generally quite a good side for contesting in the air, um, but they didn't really get anywhere near the Bulls here at all. I think again they may have been concerned about the Bulls and the mall. They maybe didn't want to give the Bulls too much of a too much of a surge to attack there. Hang on, Bring it. is that Jake Negel's music? Uh.
0: Mark, ready, set, let's go, dance broke pro, I know, you know, I go psycho when my new joint hit. Just can't sit, gotta get J-E. with it. That's it, the honey, honey, come ride. GK NY, all up in my eyes. You gotta rider, bag with a lot of stuff in it. Give it to your friend, let's spin. <laughs> Big Willie styles all in it, get with it. Get jiggy with it. Get jiggy with it.
2: Jiggy. Hey Jeff. Hey boys, how are are you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) They they gave you a phone call anyway, did you? Lawyers got you
2: out. Sorry? Oh yeah, sorry, just got bailed out there, yeah. Yeah. So we're back in. How are we? Very good, very good. Have I I missed much?
0: Not too much. much, You missed myself and Tom's um, business plan for our our new uh, enterprise.
1: That, that, that I've Like by the time Anybody's listening to this I'll have bleeped out At least significant parts of it But other than that Yeah pretty good Am I yeah, allowed but...
2: in Or am I cast out Because I was late
1: I'll, I'll explain to you off air <laughs> Yeah we'll explain to you
0: off
2: air <laughs> I actually had I actually had a million dollar idea Myself while I was driving The car uh, Yesterday And I said it to my wife And I was like I don't know where it came from Do you know when you're so Mindlessly driving That she was like Are you alright And I was like I just had an idea there Again, I'll tell you off air, I genuinely think this is how I'm going to make my millions. All I need is 1% of the American market. I'm done. <laughs> I'll, I'll be recording this podcast from a beach in Acapulco.
1: Look, if, if it's selling cocaine, look, that's why you were in jail in the first place. You can't, you can't do that. You can't do that. And besides, I think they already have it over there. Oof. <laughs> Back to square one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> have we Have we talked rugby yet?
1: We yeah you know, I, was, I was talking about how I was how i was the only bulls fan in clontarf on uh, on friday night <laughs> ironic enough
0: <laughs> yeah we're just onto the leinster oh well onto the set piece in general we were talking about the we sort of said the about the scrum and that uh while the bulls weren't necessarily dominant or getting um i suppose the rub of the green from the referee they they had messed up enough of leinster's ball on it to stop it as a platform but we're talking about how good the the bulls line out was on their own ball in terms of the i think the the timing um, on it and we we're then just going on to say like how how good they were on leinster's ball and disrupting that and i think it was it was three times they took they they stole the ball on the the leinster as leinster were on the five meter line um, attacking and around that like we've seen that's not the first time that leinster have had those problems on their own ball um, the, you know you can go back to the likes of I think it was the one that sticks out to me is probably the Leicester game but Leinster were able to get to steal or to steal enough of the Leicester ball that day but they weren't able to get at the the Bulls this time and there's there's a couple of things around that I thought Leinster were very slow at getting into the position for it everything was predetermined there was a slow walk up the huddle beforehand and there wasn't that much movement necessarily at times in their line-out as, as they were going to do it um, to, to go up for the jump. And it, it became easier for the, the Bulls to read. And I think they'd done their homework and were able to, to really take that part away from Leinster. And if you take away both the set pieces, and as the Bulls did, they played very narrow off nine. So they kept hold of the ball and crashed it up. And while Leinster are a very good team in terms of their line speed, what they really potentially lack is as a skill set, particularly in that, maybe that pack and since Dan Levy has retired, is, a, is an out-and-out out jackal threat. They have guys who, who can jackal, but there is maybe no one to the same extent as a Peter Romani or a, a Ty Byrne type player, or Chris Clute even if you know you want to go like that, that is going to go in there and be that first guy in Picking the ball out and getting turnovers for them. And I think that potentially hit them, that they don't target it. And so when a team can hold on to and crash the ball up, narrow off nine and continue to do that and punch holes, Leinster find it difficult to get the ball back off them and play themselves.
2: There's something you mentioned there in regards to the line-out and the Bulls, let's say those, those three five meter lineouts. I thought the Bulls did spectacularly well in their reading now. I don't know who runs the bull's line out or anything like that or runs the, the bulls D line out either. But to go up on the five meter line three times and spoil that ball and turn over that ball, like you're pretty much conceding your mall D when you go up off that there. So you have to be pretty sure that you're gonna either disrupt that ball or you're gonna steal that ball. And to you know they did it three times. And that was like was it once in the first half, two in the second, I think like that, when the game was starting to kind yeah. of to get away from Leinster. But they still backed it, you know. And I think when when you're ahead and there's a five meter lineout like that that you're defending, it can be very easy to say, "Don't go up. We'll just blitz them all, uh, like disrupt it as much as we can." Kind of a thing, you know. Get through it, and we we'll trust our D after that. But to still trust your lineout D to go up off that five meter lineout three times, I thought I thought it was unbelievable. And your second point there uh, in regard to Leinster internal D, they do like to defend wide in their eternal internal defense. And I think we saw that with um oh geez, I can't remember what game it was, but it was uh the out half folded and I think it was uh oh what's his name Ryan Bard folded as well around it was afterwards. the monster game wasn't it? Oh was it yeah, yeah yeah sorry and it was a pick and go off that then wasn't it Mike Haley yeah and we just you, you see how kind of wide Ryan Bard likes to go at that pillar. Um so he's almost like a guard like he's not actually a pillar if that makes sense. But the Bulls recognized that well in advance and they really hammered that home too. And like we talked about, I don't know how many times we talked about it, like we're probably blue in the face of it. But like I was, I, I know I'm wrong in, in coming on this podcast tonight, like, but I was completely wrong in, in both of my, uh, both of my, uh, who would win, uh, my guesses. I can't, we, we were it discussing word. it actually. <laughs> that
1: I, I think <laughs> like the, 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 <laughs> the, heavy, the heavy subtext of it was that we were actually kind of leaning towards the Bulls. Like, just kind of in, like, it was more important about what we didn't say.
2: Yeah, but, yeah. like, I, I, I think, if I remember correctly, I said the reason I went for Leinster was I didn't think the Bulls would do what they did for the full 80 minutes. Like, I, I think I said something like, they need to do, they need to kick the shit out of the front five, they need to constantly look to hammer home the internal D, but I don't think they can do it for the full 80. And they did. Um, so that's where I was wrong. But um,
0: Why did you make it no, a scrum? It was it was getting it was getting messy. I actually I was talking to, to Bj Bota about it online on Twitter and going through it and it, like my my opinion of it was that I saw Porter hinge quite a bit. Um, there you can get into the technicalities of binds and things like that on it, but the feeling to me was that Porter was hinging on that quite a lot. You could see his elbows coming down. Refs will call it one way or the other. I think the ref started off possibly looking more at reputation and and stuff like that. And it seemed to swing back towards the Bulls as the game went on, as he was reading more from what was actually happening on the pitch rather than necessarily maybe some of his preparation going into it.
1: At um, what point, lads, does... The idea that Porter is under pressure on the lucid side become a problem. From a from, I think we were talking about this on Twitter after the game. Owen, I think you were there too, Jeff. Yeah. yeah. Or was this, or was this a dream I was having? No, no. We <laughs> about it. I'm in your head. And and Jeff was there, and, and Owen was there. What do you call it? Yeah, but, but like, at what point has it become a problem? Because I, I think a lot of refereeing, and a lot of scrummaging refereeing, is done on reputation. At what point does, like, you look at the number of times that Porter has been in trouble in the scrum this year in big games. Uh, the Welsh game didn't really didn't really matter, though, in that game. The France game, uh, the Leicester game, Toulouse at points didn't matter there. La Rochelle, tough, some tough moments there, too. And now here in this game, as the game wore on, at what point does that become a problem, given that everybody's aware that he switched over? At what point does is is there a point where that can become an issue where perception can start to actually hurt you before you've even fucking bound and set for a scrum?
0: I think it's starting to happen already because, like, even even I think if you look at it, the autumn internationals, was like, oh, he's one of the best loose heads in the world. Yeah, but you're you're basing you're basing that on his work around the field, not necessarily on his set piece, right? And then you get into the Welsh game, and from some of the stuff that was said. The Welsh had a go with him. Yeah, and and well, the Welsh thought Port. they
1: were fucked over actually in that game, by the rest.
0: And I, I think they, they always they have do that. A, a definite, I think they have a point on that one. Looking back at the at, the, at that game, I think Porter, or are saying not Porter necessarily. I think the loose head side of the Ireland scrum was exposed, and the Welsh didn't get the reward for their scrummage. I think you then that would have been looked at. And reviewed as part of the Six Nations. And the, F- the French went after it and absolutely destroyed it. And I think from that point on, I think that exposed it for the England game. And potentially, like I'm England weren't scrummaging legally, but it doesn't matter. There was a perception there that Ireland had problems in the scrum and it opens it up. And Porter is big enough and is extremely strong to get away with it against quite a lot of the sort of the sides Leinster will face but it's against the bigger packs and at international level that he becomes more exposed as you, st- as you step up the quality ladder, so to speak. And I think the likes of La Rochelle have exposed it again and the bigger South African teams. And not necessarily that the <clears throat> the Bulls are the best scrummagers, even out of the South African sides, or have the, the the top props there. But I mean, like you could even go back. I'm not even sure, was Porter playing when the Lions came over? Um, no, I don't think he was. No, but I mean like you, you saw like the quality that the, the likes of the Lions and the Sharks have in terms of their yeah, scrums.
1: Carl o. Sadie, that massive fucking chonky boy for the fucking Lions. <laughs> He's got to the Sharks <laughs> yeah. now. He's got to the Sharks next year. Yeah,
0: him, himself and Thomas the Toy as, as sort of, that's your, they're your two tight heads coming on. That's the quality that the Sharks are going to bring. Imagine the I mean,
1: damage those two lads would do to a fucking all-you-can-eat buffet. <laughs> A, they must be banned from
0: <laughs> buffets all around Durban. I, th-
2: I think the way you phrased the question, Tom, as in, is it a perception or is it a problem before he's even packed down? If I was a coach heading into a Heineken Cup final or a URC final or semi-final, and like referees will, or sorry, referees will chat to head coaches beforehand and head coach and vice yeah. versa, and they get to flag little things. All you need to do is like clip. That Wales game, France game, La Rochelle game, uh, Toulouse that game. Last week game, Bulls
1: game. Do you know man. what I mean? Like just, yeah.
2: just lit- literally maybe six, 10 second clips or whatever it is, like a two minute video, whatever it might be. And you just say, I'd like you to keep an eye on this side of the scrum. Straight away, it's an issue before he has packed down. And I think the perception is there or the narrative is there because that picture has been painted by bigger tight heads already. And... It's until I think he actually has, like we, I know I'm skipping ahead here, but if you look at Warwick versus Malherba, it's until he has a game like that, where there isn't an inch given for the hour that that tight head is on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Then I think, uh, the I, I think at this
1: stage, a few of them, like yeah, maybe, a couple, maybe a couple, but,
2: but certainly he needs a game like that, that Warwick had against Malherba yeah. where immovable. And then suddenly you're looking at it and you're going, do you know what? Different picture.
0: I think there's also another thing sort of level to that is that not only is it a perception and you can see it happening now, I think Leinster have already taken steps against it because if you look at it, I think the likes of Joe McCarthy being brought into that side over someone like Ross Maloney, who was having a brilliant season and suits and has been one of the best passers of the ball and fits into that Leinster attack style so well. I think McCarthy was potentially put into that to allow um, Ryan move over and scrum behind and have a much stronger scrum around that and tight set piece. And I think if you're, if you're a Leinster and you're making changes to your side to compensate for that, as well as the perception of it, then you've got an even bigger problem because a coach can point, you know, that's the way a referee or another coach will look at it. And if you're mm-hmm. doing that, another question there on
2: Another question for you, there on Do you think that the number of Channel One ball scrums they go for also paints that picture?
0: Completely. Like you, you, you go back to the, you go back to the uh, hiding Cup final. It was literally like it was the days going back to what you call it, McDoyle in Ireland, where you know the scrum is literally a restart and it's get it, get
1: it in, get it out,
0: get it out. Yeah, <laughs> like whatever way you can, just make sure that ball flies out the back. But like, well, you, scrum is anytime, you, anytime
1: you do that, like if you if you go down a very strict Channel One kind of like that you're going to go with that strategy first of all it exposes your loose head your your loose head is going to be he's not going to get the full pressure behind him anyway which means that even if that ball comes out quick Porter's getting fucking shoved in one way or the other I think it paints a picture that we are actually under pressure in the scrum here and we want to get these over and done with as quickly as possible and I think it makes your your own ball then more dangerous because the referee is already thinking well they're under pressure on their own ball so what does that say about this upcoming scrum here? Like,
0: but you you also look at it, and like we'll t- we'll talk about it in a bit in terms of work and that. Like, you look at how Ulster dealt with the stormers scrum, and I know you put some of the clips up on on Twitter, Jeff. Like, you look at some of those. You look at how Dwayne Vermeulen at number eight is locking down on that. He is absolutely like a second row in terms of his body position. He is not moving from there in those scrums, right? Whereas if you're going channel one, the first thought that the number eight has is I have to move and I have to go across to my left to get this ball before it flies out and hits hits the out half about 10 yards behind me because it's coming back at such speed, you know? So he's not locking out. He's not contributing to the shove and locking in the second rows. And as much as as the loose head gets exposed, the power coming behind the second rows, I don't think is the same. And I think it weakens the scrum overall. And look, in, in the way we, we talk about props painting a picture, it, overall, the scrum is painting the wrong picture because you're, you're acknowledging you have an issue and you're actually making it worse.
2: I think, though, as well, Leinster are comfortable with that Channel 1 ball, though, because if they have the ball for multi-phase, I think the Bulls coach said it afterwards. Like, he said that they want, like, the Bulls wanted to paint uh, an exit cycle. That's the way they wanted to play Leinster. They wanted Leinster to have an exit cycle kind of a game. And he was saying that if they allowed Leinster to play that kind of game they had, it's a multi-phase game where they're just very comfortable on ball and the Bulls just wouldn't be able to get the ball. So while I think the scrum paints that picture, that Channel 1, you know, okay, yeah, he is under pressure here, blah, blah, blah. It's on and finished so quickly that Leinster are suddenly in attack. And like, if you're the referee, I'd imagine that you'd look at the scrum, you're looking at the ball because it's so quick you're not actually looking at the loose head, if that makes sense. You're only one man. Your ARs aren't going to be looking at it either. Like they're too busy with offside lines. Your TMO is never, ever, ever going to call. I don't even think he can call that or she no. can call that. So like, I mean that channel one ball because it's so quick. It's, it's almost taken the, the ref's attention off it because suddenly it's okay. Next, next rock or next phase or whatever it may be. Have to get there, have to move, whatever. And it's, it's almost in the back of their mind. And, their captain or their tight head or their pack leader, whatever it might be, can say, can you keep an eye on, can you keep an eye on his boy? Can you keep an eye on, you know, this, that and the other. But ultimately his attention is going to be drawn so quickly to the next phase that, you know, the, the ref can say, oh yeah, I'll keep an eye on it. But like how much of an eye can they actually, especially when the ball's out? I mean, you it's tr- not a boy. You, you try it's- and do
1: that by housing a few resets just to bring a lot of, bring a lot of attention. It's like, oh shit, we gone down again. Fuck. Look, we'll just go back now. Look at his bind there. <laughs> look at that but bind. I, I,
0: I think, I think you keep looking at those things, and it's it's a case of that'll get you out for a game, right? And that'll that'll work for the for the one game. But it's it's on the review, as you said, right? And it'll work on your own ball. But it's on the review when, when the next coach comes in for the next game and says. They're under so much pressure. Look at what's happening here on on their ball. So they're just getting it in and out, but their tight head, or sorry, their loose head is going in and down. He's under pressure. So it's not so much an issue on Leinster's ball, but it creates and paints the picture for what happens on the opposition ball. And if you have a pack that's big enough and strong enough and has the technique, you can actually start milking the penalties out of it.
2: The key there though is just don't knock on simple well, yeah and the key Easy, there for easier the easier said than done just don't, don't knock on <laughs> yeah. and, score more, and, and score more points than the other team there. wait like a second why, take why this
0: are you down. not in professional <laughs> coaching <laughs> Jeff let me I take this know. down
2: so the key fellas right hold on to the ball score tries everything else after that will take care of itself
1: Johnny I want you to kick that ball through those posts that's it right. Right. any chance literally.
2: you get I don't right. know you know that's it really like when you think when you break it down it's a simple game you
1: missed that kick there, right before halftime.
2: You got it. You've
1: got to make that kick.
2: You should have. You should have kicked that over the bar. I love some of the halftime punditry. You know, you hear, "Oh, they need to score more points. They need to score tries." They Brilliant. Do, yeah. Brilliant. They do. Yeah, that's observation. For,
1: that, that's for fucking sure. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they need. They need to. They need to start tackling. They do. Yeah. They, indeed, they do. <laughs> by By God, you've solved it. I hope they're watching this in the dressing room. <laughs> In, in Quick, terms, get, of into get, bit... get
1: the feed over to speakers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> in in terms of moving to maybe a bit more detailed analysis, then in we've seen Leinster lose these games against the likes of La Rochelle, um, the Bulls.
1: I think they got beaten out the, the game from Montpellier game. as well. <laughs> that was a bonus point was 20... win, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. 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 Like nobody ever talks about that. It's almost
2: like they didn't like... show up. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Maybe they didn't fly out. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, like, you look at it, what can Leinster do or add to the team to get past these sort of games? Like, And you've had it before with the Saracens and, and those as well. What can they add to the team? And what can they do differently? Because when when they're when, – and we've seen it – when their ruck speed is slowed down, they, they have significant problems. When they can't get that lead at the beginning of games, they have problems – and they don't seem to be able to work it out or to even grind out the win, the close wins in these big games. So what can they do to change that?
2: I think they're on the path to solving it. Like. I th- like, I'm not saying Jason Jenkins is the answer, but he is certainly going to add so much to it next season. And something we've talked about loads of times, you add in Joe McCarthy there, who has developed incredibly throughout this season. Both of them offer a lot of size and a lot of grunt. And Tom likes to say it, power is expensive, but like in a collision game like this, like you can't really beat power. You look at what La Rochelle did, pure power. You look at what the bulls did, a lot of power. And even that little five meter um do you know that five meter trickery try they had the tap and go, like mm-hmm. as in you look at that, you go back and look at that. Even Porter, he's not involved in the initial like, I suppose attempted tackle or defensive set or whatever, like he's on the fringe. But he is so focused on the actual collision. So like when, when the Bulls tapped and went it was literally like, right helmets on, take two paracetamol, we're going in here like, and they were so bracing themselves for such a massive collision. You get a bigger guy like Jason Jenkins in there, it just makes that kind of defense a little bit easier. No, no The now, only was, thing was, is, is, can, can he play. stay fit
1: for the next season? I mean, it, well, yeah, if, but- if, if he can... That, that, like that's a guy Who should be Quite valuable to them Like
2: but Yeah but that like I mean talking about injury Like I mean It's ifs and buts isn't it Like it's yeah. one tackle Or it's one bad ruck Or something like that Like it could happen to anyone But I Like I think that When you have the likes of him And McCarthy And you're going up Against bigger packs Like Jenkins can play six Are you going to slot him in there Do you know what I mean And keep your bigger Tight head uh, Locked there as well Like and can just have A big lump at six And Or even go um, What is it a a six-two split in the bench with a, a big, massive guy who can continue to combat that. And yeah, Munster
1: have them him that way this year. Actually, as
2: a component in a six-two. Well, there you go. Um, I I just think that they are taking steps. I think that when it comes to all their problems, I don't think that lack of power or size is going to be their only issue next year. Because I think they're. I don't see Johnny Sexton playing much URC rugby next season. I don't know. Call me. Uh, call me. Short-sighted I think, he, or, I think he
1: only played Six games
2: in the URC This year like so well, There you go But <laughs> like I th- I think that The step down afterwards From him Is going to be an issue Uh And even at European level I imagine he will play European level like But um, Even at that level And as we said before As well The depth from loose heads it, It's It's a big problem
1: like, I think they're going to so. They're going to try To scale Jack Boyle up Pretty quickly I think I think they're going to Look to try yeah. and expose him Quite quickly early on Next year
0: I, I think there's There's certain things That Leinster can do I think there, there's certain Maybe changes to the Defensive system As we said Because they I think they have been And it's not just them I think across the provinces You've seen that Where Teams have carried Narrow and big Into the, the Provincial sides They have struggled Um, It's
1: Ironically enough Munster tend to deal with that Relatively better Because of the Jackal threats But yes. Leinster don't really do that As we were Disgusting. They 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 tend not to make a whole lot. I think they're actually. I think they're twelfth or thirteenth in the entire URC for the amount of turnovers made. Weirdly enough,
2: they like to have a lot of defenders mm. on their feet.
1: Yeah, yeah. and I, again, it's like it, it. also, I think it. They're not doing it to prevent injury, but it's when you don't really poach as much, you're not really exposing yourself to as much, I suppose, mm. heavy leather over the breakdown. Really,
0: and you know, if again, don't want to harp on about it too much, but if you go back to the Heineken Cup final. Um, what was it the last sort of 15 minutes Leinster barely touched the ball they didn't you know
1: but that's yeah. something throughout the season though where they've not lost the last 20 minutes but they've dropped off a fair bit in the last 20 minutes in a lot of games they've played
0: and like whether that's to do with the bench and guys coming on or whatever else I, it's... I think
1: it's I think it's to do with their kick game to be honest they kick longer and more than any team in the URC like they kick the most in the URC and they kick the furthest I think they do it. You could see them in this game when they came under pressure from the Bulls late in in, in the second half. They were just lengthening the field, getting that ball up the field, making the Bulls reset and hitting them on transition. I think because like Leinster are a really good counter transition team. They've been doing that consistently well all season long. And I think they've been doing that more than what they were doing last year. I think this was an evolution in their game that they brought in because Leinster are a really, really fit team, but they've got to be very, very fit to play that type of game for an extended period of time, especially sure. the way the Bulls have been making their possession expensive and all this other stuff. Leinster love lengthening the field and catching you on transition where you take it, if you kick the ball back to them, they'll have a cut off you. If you run it back, they've got a lot of really good guys who will meet you on the game line and make it very difficult for you to play because Leinster will just, that, as you were saying, Jeff, they keep a lot of guys active in the line. They, they punish you there. If you decide to run that back, if you don't get through that first uh, line of, of defense, you're in big trouble in the next, you know, two or three reset phases. So, like, I think that's something that 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 Leinster decided they were going to do this season to challenge bigger teams, and um, and it's something where it got them to a, you know, to to, to the final and the semi-final, um, and it's something I think that they'll they look to tweak again next season. But uh, I I don't think that there's a massive crash coming Leinster's way. Like, I just I just don't see that. I mean, some people have been speaking about this like this is almost like the end of an era to a certain extent. I don't really think it's that way. Um, I think people would like it to be that. <laughs> but I, I'm not sure if, if if that's the way it is. I think that there's lots for lots there for Leinster to learn. Um, and I think for, for Leinster fans, I think there's lots there for them to learn as well. As long as they don't listen to the guys who are telling them that it's, you know, bad luck or, you know, uh, you know, don't have a plan B or whatever, all the other fucking guff people are talking about these days.
0: Well, I mean and this, this is maybe the last question we'll talk about before we move on to the to the Ulster game. Did Selection play a big part in this loss? Were they overconfident? And because, like, you, you look at the, the thing, they had started with Sexton on the bench. They didn't bring him on until whatever it was, the last 15 minutes or so. Um, Hugo Keenan was fit, but left out. He was part... He travelled with the squad and was, I think, was 24th, 25th man. Um. You know, those are those are big calls to leave those guys out. You're in the semi-finals of your last chance to win silverware for the season, and <clears throat> you're almost resting players. Is, was that part of the reason that Leinster lost?
2: I don't understand why they'd leave Johnny Sexton on the bench in a game like this. And I understand that Ross Byrne played against Glasgow but pardon the pun, Glasgow and the Bulls are very different animals. Like, I don't think there was anything to really worry about with Glasgow. I think there was a lot to be worried about against the Bulls. Um, As well as that, I think, and again, I'm not saying Ross Byrne's a poor player. I'm just saying the difference between them is pretty stark. Uh I also think that bringing Keenan in moves Jimmy O'Brien back to the wing, brings Larmore off and... I think that's a better back three to have too and I don't know like maybe I don't I like I don't know what Keenan's fitness level was like going into it I don't know was he fully fit I don't know wasn't he I actually don't know but if he was fully fit he starts for me as well because the way I look at it this is this is a semi-final like you got knocked out of Europe was it the week or two or two weeks beforehand you're on this is this is your chance to go five in a row domestically you start your big guns for me
0: I I I think I think you're you're right on that. I think the, the Bulls played the Bulls played cup rugby, right? The Bulls the Bulls played narrow, they kicked their out halves barely passed, they kicked the ball along, they played in the right areas, and they had good set piece proper. I think Leinster tried to play the same game that has seen them and successfully seen them play all season, running everywhere, and it didn't work. And part of that problem, I think, is that when it doesn't work and you don't have someone like Sexton at 10, there, you ha- it struggles. They struggle with the, with the leadership amongst them. I mean, you I saw the impact Sexton had off the bench. Yeah.
1: The emotional but, impact even.
0: Yeah, he came on, he fired them up, he got stuck into some of the Bulls players immediately. You know, he was, he was looking for the aggro, he was trying to get the crowd involved.
1: Is, is that um, not super worrying though? If you're a Leinster fan looking at that, but, that it, it took Sexton coming on the field to rouse guys like that. And why was he not on from the start in that case?
0: Well, even if you accept he wasn't on from the start, why wasn't he on with half an hour to go? True. Is unless sp- un,
1: un, unless they're literally minute minding him, because that could be the case. Like,
0: I I would hope it's not the case because if you're you have to minute mind players all the way up to a final, including things like semi finals, then the system doesn't work and shouldn't be shouldn't be like that, you know, because you're 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 tying your hands behind your back in, in the fight, you know? Um, but look, that's one of the things that, that Leinster will have to figure out. But again, and we'll probably come to it when we talk about the Ireland squad, you know, there's, there's a big gap beyond sex, no matter whether it's in blue or green. Um, so then we'll move on to the Stormers, uh, against Ulster. So Stormers beat Ulster 17, 15 on Saturday. Um, pretty unbelievable match in terms of, uh, Intensity and excitement right down to the very end. Um, Good start from the Stormers. Um, I thought they were brilliant in terms of their first sort of, I think it was the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes, got the two tries up, but they lost complete control of the game from there on. From then on to the 80th minute, their halfback play was just terrible. Their game management. They were they were lucky to still be in the game at times. I thought, um, they were very poor. Um, Ulster came back into it really well. Um, again, their backline play, and as we talked about, and I know you you probably want to talk about this, um, Jeff, the set piece and particularly the scrum. I thought um, Warwick was just and Tom O'Toole were just excellent, absolutely yeah. excellent in the set piece,
2: exceptional. And Tom O'Toole went for. Around 80 minutes, wasn't it? Like 70 odd, like late, 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 late 70s maybe. Like, I he, he was, it was eight, 80, it was, the
0: clock was in the red and they had to take him off. It was the final scrum.
2: Like that's an exceptional stint, especially when you think about, he was against Stephen Kitschhoff there at the start. Like, so an exceptional stint from him. Uh, I thought, I, I, like, I think three cliches hit me at the end of the game when the Stormers won. And the first one that hit me was like, tries win games so they won three tries to two or tries win knockout rugby I should say you know there you go I found it unbelievable that they didn't score for over 70 minutes and still won the game like I don't understand how a team can go from 10 nil up to 15 10 down play 70 odd minutes at that and just snatch a win like it was unbelievable Um, but the last thing that got me was and this is essentially like someone asked me there in another pod during the week what happened with Ulster. And the only kind of answer I have is flat out simple as they just didn't score in the second half. If they scored three it, points in the second half, they're through to a final. It's that simple. I,
0: I think it goes back to their game management and I think it goes back to their halfbacks. And I think if you revert back to, was it the Challenge Cup? last year that they got into uh their game against Leicester? or was that the year before I'm trying to think um in welford road remember they were they were in the final they were they were um oh was that
1: last was that last year time has lost all meaning for me sorry I, yeah i I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm the
0: same seasons with covid and everything else just blend in together but there was the case where remember they went they were they were ahead against Leicester and cooney got taken taken out, he would to go off with the HIA. He was almost knocked unconscious. And from that point on, they kicked ball away. And suddenly Leicester came back and won. And if you look at this again, Ulster got in front. And even in the last couple of minutes, I think I looked at the thing, it was, now admittedly, they were around about their own 22, but it was about 78 minutes on the clock. And Cooney does a box kick.
2: You just want to keep ball and... Certainly against the Stormers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The way way, way they play.
0: It it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you lose, if you lose ground. You can if you can cheese the clock there. But instead of it, they gave the ball back to the stormers and the attacking opportunity. And that's game management. That's not about not scoring or anything else. You have the opportunity to kill the game. And you've you've taken or sorry, you've taken control of it. You had control of it yourself, and you've just handed that back to the opposition. Now maybe that's the way Ulster feel more comfortable in their de- defense, and they're saying, "Okay, you've got the ball; you have to come through us." But at at a time, I think where you've got control and you can push that through, because you knew you knew that it was the Stormers. It was a kick wasn't good enough. You could have even given away penalties, anything like that. It still would have cheesed the clock. I don't,
2: I, don't think Ulster, I don't think Ulster were thinking that way in their D, though, because when you think about it like they were under huge pressure for a long time. There was a rolling mall that went down, went over the line Adams and just said it was held up, blah, 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 gave him a chance to exit. But like, like Ulster were under huge pressure. So I don't think they were handing the ball back and saying, we trust our D here. I think they just wanted to get out of dodge. Get get, and just like a lot of teams of space though,
1: to be fair, a lot of teams would back their D and that's in, that, in that circumstance, as in boot it long, meet them on transition as fucking far up the field as you can. And make them play from there. And but again, I think this comes into some of the issues that Ulster have had in the last couple of minutes of games as well. It was the same there with the Sharks, where it, it seems like they either they either tire or like, like the management of the game as it gets into the end stages can catch them and, and kind of catch them out at times.
2: Like they were they were 10 they were 10-nil behind and did not panic at all. Like and we're talking two tries as well. Didn't panic at all, stuck to their process, whatever, went in 15-10 ahead. And I know that last penalty. Um, I'm not saying it was lucky, like, but you know that 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 penalty that made it 15 instead of 12 just before half time was quite big. But they trusted their process, kept going. 15-10, question for you: Do you think they stopped playing the game that got them 15-10 ahead?
0: I I think they did, but not necessarily as a um how do I, how do I put this as not, a... not
1: necessarily voluntarily. the Stormers yes. had a large part to do with it too I think their change of approach I think as well it, I feel I feel fucking bad for Ulster though because like they had by far well no I, I think the Bulls had a difficult one as well but traveling down there um, from you know from after the, the schedule that the Ulster have had with European rugby and everything as well um, very very difficult and I just think looking at they were a hair away from managing that out well do you know <laughs> It's just that the margins are just so small, and like fair play to the to the Stormers, like they finished it very very strongly. Um, but I don't know. I think looking back at that game, I think Ulster win that game eight times out of ten. Well, Look, I think if, if I
2: was an Ulster fan though, like you're looking at that loss, and while you'd be, you'd just be sickened, like you know, like I think if that had been Munster, let's say, and we lost that game, while I would have been like, Jesus Christ, we were. So close, like there's no real like remorse or regret that there was no performance or anything. Like, or I felt Ulster were actually brilliant in that game, to be honest with you. Yeah, a really um, good performance, I think overall. And, yeah, and I think there was a good bit of like it was a good bit of chess going around the, the place between two teams. Like, um, I th- I I felt like there was one lineup, like the very first lineup for Ulster Bulls, just or Stormers just gave in the front. Very next line out, it almost appeared like they gave him the front. Got up late, stole that ball, and that was off a penalty. Where you're looking to build positives, I just felt that both teams were—I oh, don't know—they like they were just so well matched for an unbelievable game, and almost a scoreless second half didn't feel like it in any way, shape, or form.
1: No, it was a very tense game. Two really good fucking semifinals, by the way. Just two really good games. But like, I mean, I remember seeing the Stormers in person this year. They looked very good even early on in this season um and again i just think they're really good on transition they're such a dangerous team when when things get a bit fucking chaotic like they're just very very dangerous
0: there i th- i think one of the things that that stood out to me was and why i think ulster are struggling they're n- they're not replacing or not using the bench necessarily as they should do you you, you talked about it there You tom o'tool didn't come off till the clock was in the red Andy Warwick didn't come off until the 70th minute. I think the first time that they made a change to their tight five was 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 close to seventy minutes. In that, um, you kept you kept your half backs on. Both half backs were on until, or sorry, uh, Cooney saw out the game, and I think Madigan only came on again with a minute or two left. So, like, you look at that. Ulster are playing with fifteen men for pretty much the entire game there. And even though the Stormers again went down to 14, they changed things up. And you could even see them bringing on the second row when they they took off. I can't remember who it was they took off. They strengthened their pack into that. And that's why at the end, they were holding on to the ball and they were attacking the line.
1: By the way, what um, a I fucking didn't... dodgy red card. Like, what was your what? man thinking? So dumb. Fucking uh, stupid,
0: man. Oh that was the most cast iron red card I've ever seen in my life He had two or three sort of hooks At Henderson's eye And it's just like Jesus Christ I mean
2: It was So 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 dumb And like I I remember watching it in real time And I was like doesn't look great and then you can see Henderson then gesturing. Ref says, I'm going to have a look at it. You see it in the replay, you're like, yeah, it didn't look great because it's not great, Jeff. That is absolutely the dumbest red card I've seen since probably Vahamina
1: elbowed Shingler into the head in a World Cup. Like, imagine that cost you like a place in the final. And it could easily have done. Like, you know, fair play to the Stormers for playing through that. But like, is in,
0: like, what an Egypt like. It's, there's, there's no justification absolutely no justification and I mean like it comes down to Stormers were lucky they (laughs) they survived it out they they battered the the try line at the end and I mean I'm sure you could have got some odds for you know uh, Libbock to to nail that kick given his previous kicking performance I mean I think he's a fantastic player but I mean as a halfback huge huge gap on it I mean great balls to Stand up and take the kick But I mean His overall performance Was very very poor And I I was I was Sure that game was going to the extra time Absolutely sure But I mean I think the, the TV angles Didn't necessarily help things But thankfully The touch judges were there And could see Clearly see it going over the bar
2: It's funny Before he took that kick um, It's so a draw game 15-0 My wife turned to me And she goes Uh how's he been kicking today or what's he like as a kicker or something like that and I was like oh not great but he'll kick this now (laughs) (laughs) because that's the way things work isn't it and lo and behold boom and it was like well sorry Ulster
0: yeah that's the true kicking the balls that you get Um, okay so then looking at the final got a Stormers against the Bulls in Cape Town on Saturday Um, I don't believe the weather is meant to be the best for it um, I think there's meant to, meant to be downpours all week and uh, potentially on Saturday as well who do you fancy for the final Tom
1: oh I think the Stormers have been playing very very well uh, the Bulls though very impressive against Leinster and I think if the weather is bad I think I would back the Bulls to be able to grind out the game more given how they performed against Leinster so I'm going to go with a narrow Bulls win, I think. But I have a feeling it could be one of those really tense, classic games. Um, and, you know, how impressive is it for two South African teams to make the final in their first year in the URC? It's, uh, I think it's very good for the league overall, you know. And I just think that, um, yeah, it should be a very tense final. Whether it's going to be a high-scoring affair, I, I don't actually know. But uh, I, I would expect the Bulls to have just about enough to, to pull it out of the bag.
0: Yeah, just on that, I think, as as you said, you know, two South African teams in the final. I have to go double check my stats, but I think it's the first time since 2007 that there won't be an Irish team in the final of the sort of the Celtic League Pro 12, Pro 14, etc.
1: Rabble, Magner's League, Rabble, Magner's League, (laughs) all those.
0: Yeah, all the way back. That's a
2: hell of a run, yeah, isn't it?
0: So there's been an Irish side, and it's I think it is since about 2007, 2008. Um, I must go back and double check my, my stats on
1: that. But wind the whole um, things up. Wind the whole things up, lads. It's finished. <laughs> it's all over. We had a good run. It it's <laughs>
2: gr- it's great for the league that the, the two South African teams got into that final, but and this apologies in advance, Leinster fans, but I also think the fact that Leinster didn't make the final nips it in the bud, nips that narrative of oh sure it's just yes. a, a league of trying to beat Leinster kind of a thing it yeah. straight away like it paints a different picture you're going into the next season's competition like if you are the URC organiser heading into next competition you're a fucking ecstatic you're that. so happy do you know what I mean like you yeah. actually are and it, it nips that narrative in the bud and suddenly you're going into next year's competition and you're going well actually like in a weird way Leinster aren't the team to beat this no. season like, like don't get me wrong you'll have to beat them yeah. but they're not the team to
1: beat Yeah, because it's not the case of, you know, like fucking 16 teams play each other in 18 rounds. And at the end, Leinster win the tournament. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's not that like and I think that's one of the best things is that it shows and especially next year as well, like there should, you know, like touch wood, not be any um, COVID delays next year. So there should be no test window rugby, which will mean that generally stronger teams playing more often than not. I think it's setting up to be a very, very juicy looking league next year.
0: I is think so as well Is
2: it wrong that we're Already talking about Next year and the final Hasn't been played yet <laughs> Are we uh, that excited About URC that we're like it is, it is the best league It is, best league. It is the best league uh, I think the Bulls will, will win the final As well to be honest with you. Um, Pretty much the same reasons As uh, as Tom outlining Didn't oh, I did You didn't
0: um, I, I did I was, I was the only one That went against us You didn't week. Go back and listen No you didn't <laughs> And I'm going to go For the Bulls this week Purely on the basis That I think they're better set up to play cup rugby i think if their halfbacks can perform to any way that they similar way that they did against leinster and they can again just grind it out keep things simple i think they have a a game plan and uh, a style that can work for them in a final in knockout they don't necessarily have to be the best team but i think they've got a way of doing it and i would fear that the stormers have a great scrum, I don't necessarily think that the pitch in Cape Town lets that advantage flow through for them Um, and I think that the Bulls can grind out a win there and unless the Stormers, uh, halfbacks have an absolute fantastic game and manage to, to sort of push the team and control the team around the park, I just don't see it for the Stormers, I'm going with the Bulls. I found it mad that the
2: Stormers pitch wasn't.
0: I think potentially it is now. I'm not 100% on it, but I think potentially it is.
2: I didn't know that. But still, madness, madness. You have kids off of Malherba there ready to scrum away and the ground doesn't suit them like at their home pitch. I, I I didn't
0: We move on then to the Ireland squad announcement. So Andy Farrell uh, named his squad of 40 to tour New Zealand um, this summer. Um, No necessarily big surprises in the squad itself. I think no one, one, and by that I mean no one was omitted who I would see as a definite for the 23. I think he has taken... Some there may be some surprises in those who have been included for the more fringe positions and the to get experience in the Maori games, but I don't think there's necessarily going to be that much of a change to the 23 that's there. Um the one thing I would say is that on the from the off, it's a 40-man squad for something that's similar to a Lions tour. So they're playing five games over just over three weeks three weeks time frame and I think they're potentially short on a couple of specialist positions. I think um hooker and um, scrum half look to be the ones to, for me anyway that they're they're short because you you have to name two for each game and you're gonna to have to have a third one of those in the stands um for it so effectively all three, of those, the hookers and the scrum halves are going to be active for all five um, match days um, and that in itself is going to be um, put them I think in a a tricky situation that they're going to have to have guys on call from somewhere or ready to fly in at short notice um, or they're, they're going to get into a lot of trouble on it um, and we'll 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 talk about maybe who's got left out of the squad uh, later on, but if we are talking about that, um, I think we want to stick to the situation whereby you stick to the number of um players in that position, and if you want someone to, if you think someone should be included into that squad, you should name who you who you want to drop out or who you would take out instead of it when we're discussing this. So, Jeff, what did you make of the the announcement?
2: Uh, like you said, no, to be honest. The, the names I expected to be there were there. Um, obviously Kelleher through injury wasn't there. Um, and Conway, like I I believed, and I know Conway has been out for a while. Like, but if he was fit, I think he'd be in there. Like same with Kelleher. Um, I thought Balakoon. It's I, I felt he was very unfortunate to get injured in that Ulster game. Uh, and missed the tour because I felt he was probably a cert on the plane as well, and because of his injury, I think as that door closed, I think that's what probably opened the door for Jordan Larmor to get in as well. Um, I feel Jimmy O'Brien very much deserving of a place there. Um, he's had a great season. But like there were, there was a couple of names there now that I won't lie. Um, they, they will always be a better rugby player than me. There's, there's no doubt about that, Like obviously. But I just don't see how they're in the squad, if that makes sense, or why they're in the squad. Mm -hmm. or how they got in the squad ahead of others uh, is probably the best way I should put it. Like, uh, first one for me had Jeremy Lachman. If I was bringing another loose head, I would bring Josh Wittreley in his place just because I feel Witcherly Well, well, it's obvious he's been trusted by Munster in the latter end of the season because he's been starting and he's handed that responsibility. But I also feel he plays the same kind of game that... Ireland play like I feel he would slot in quite well uh, in fact if, if and, uh, and I'm not saying that he's on par with Healy in terms of experience and scrummaging but I'm just talking open play here I think he'd actually be more suited to the game than Keane Healy who will probably bench for that first test Um, so I, I would have brought Witcherly instead of Lachman um, Dave Heffernan's in there obviously I think because Kelleher's injured I think if Kelleher's fit it's Kelleher Sheehan Herring but I like Dave Heffernan Um, He's probably next up there, so there's no real argument there for me, to be honest with you at all Um, Actually, going back to that Jeremy Lachman comment Yeah, maybe Josh Richley, definitely Andrew Warwick Sorry, I said that last week, I don't know how that slipped my mind there Um, I saw Andrew Warwick going to New Zealand ahead of either of them, actually, sorry So Ulster fans, apologies, just a slip of the mind I'm I'm actually having a great few days, to be honest with you But I've kind of zoned out completely, if you get me um, so, yeah, I, Andrew Warwick, I feel, is very unlucky not to be on the plane. Uh, it's great to see Joe McCarthy on the plane. And I think if he wasn't there, it would be probably Jean Klein. He's played a lot of ball for Munster. He's URC dream team. Like, he's done very well. He's had a great season. Um, but again, listen, it, it is what it is. I don't think Jean Klein is going to feature in Farrell's plans Unless necessary. At, at, this, at this stage, I, I yeah. seriously doubt it, yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of the back row, I think Jack O'Donoghue's unlucky. Uh, and I think Ryan Bard got in. Not, he's a good player, don't get me wrong, but I think it's the fact that he's kind of that hybrid second row, uh, back row as well. I think that probably swung it that bit more as well. And also the fact that he's probably a lot more used to playing that Leinster multi-phase attack. Um, again, great player though. Do you know what I mean? I, I can't complain that he's in there. I just think that's what swung it for him. Uh, it was great seeing Keen Prendergast get in there. Do you know he not wanted by the Leinster Academy two years ago and now touring New Zealand with Ireland, like unbelievable um, and well deserving, I should say. By the way, a great season. But uh, I'm happy to pause there and let you boys talk about the pack as well, maybe before we move on to the backs, rather than just me kind of monologuing there for the next six minutes. <laughs> yeah
1: I, I was a bit surprised with uh, Jeremy Lockman's inclusion as well like fair fuck's done for getting in but I thought that you know like you said there Andrew Warwick has played really really well towards the end of the season scrummaging wise looked really really solid uh, I think Josh Ritchie as well just with the the big games he started for Munster um just uh, not not just his scrummaging which you might say look he got in, into a bit of trouble with a, a, a really big tight head side against um against Toulouse but to be fair, he wouldn't be the only Irish prop this year who's had that issue. Um, so you look at his his, his, his passing, his uh, his breakdown work, uh, his defensive work. Generally, I think is is really really good. You might say he needs a bit of size and perhaps w- would be better spent this summer. You know, a- adding on the extra heft he needs. But uh, yeah, look, th- that that certainly took me by surprise. Um, but you look at the the other selections that are there. I think people look at Ryan Baird and go. Yeah, he was involved in the Six Nations, but you look at his involvements for Leinster. Certainly, when he's been fit and available over the last um, couple of weeks, um, has not featured for for Leo Cullen, uh, but is on the tour to New Zealand all the same. You know, despite not really featuring in the big knockout games for for Leinster, when you know they would have looked at a guy who would have been a, a second role with Test experience and size, power, explosivity. Um, so that that was a bit unusual, but. You know, I I think you look at Jack O'Donoghue, you could say, yeah, he is unlucky there. But to be fair as well, though, like Andy Farrell hasn't really included him in any wider squads, as far as I'm aware. So it would have been a bit of a surprise to see him do that. Now, I think if they were going to do that, I think it would have been in November of this past year. He would have seen at least a cap just to see what what he was about. I think Ireland have been locked in more or less for this World Cup since November of 2021. And I think that the, the group that's there now, more or less, bar I think maybe the one or two bolters who aren't even on the radar now, I, I think will more or less be the group that goes to uh, France in 2023. So it'll be interesting to see how they develop, certainly in the pack. You can't have too many complaints because I've, I've had a few people kind of go and look, geez, there's a lot of Leinster guys there. But to be fair, they've done the business for Andy Farrell. When Andy Farrell was under a bit of pressure there, he basically went to a majority Leinster team plus a couple of extra guys in the test side on the, the starting side and a couple of d- widely different guys on the bench. They've kind of done the business for him, you know? Like the style of play that Leinster and Ireland have been playing has been really successful for Farrell. Ireland have won a lot of games. They fell short with the Six Nations this year but won a triple crown. Um, And you, you can hardly say that they don't deserve it. So it's like, it's one of those things where you can't look at them and go, yeah, there's a lot of Leinster players there but you can't look at it and go, well, who should be in there ahead of them? You can't really make it like too much of a case, I don't think, bar maybe one guy, uh, that there should be somebody else in there ahead of him.
0: I I think, look, I, I agree on the, the Jeremy Lockwood one, that that was probably one of the bigger surprises for me. It, you couldn't make a case that, as you said, Josh Wishley was there before or ahead of him for Munster. Um, I think Andrew Warwick is very unlucky not to tour, he's been the outstanding scrummaging loose head probably in around the provinces, um, certainly over the last six months. And I think if, if Ireland wanted to change, I don't think Ireland are necessarily going to be put under massive pressure at scrum time in New Zealand. But if you want to do something about it now ahead of the South African game in November and you want to try and fix that, I think maybe looking at Warwick and maybe including someone like, you know, John Klein as, as a, an out-and-out out tight head um, lock. They were some of the options that you could have looked at for this. Um, but I don't think Farrell um, is going towards that. I think this is a big tour for Ryan Baird because I think he has to use the Maori games as a platform to show that he is not just a super sub who can come on for 20, 30 minutes. Um, he's not playing for Leinster really. Um, he's not part of their first choice. Uh 23 when it comes to the big games. He's been sort of you can see he's been pushed back into the back row at the moment with the emergence of Joe McCarthy. Um, and is he any better? Is he going to get in ahead of the likes of Kieran Doris or Jack Conan and Josh Van der Fleer into the back row for Leinster? I mean. Big, big questions around that So I think he has to find Some way to do it I don't know how long He can survive Within the Ireland squad When he is not necessarily Part of that full Leinster 23 Um, Particularly when you have The likes of You know Keon Prendergast And Gavin Coombs Coming through Really pushing For those If I remember um,
2: correctly Owen, Didn't you say About Ryan Baird Before That he has to prove He's an 80 minute player
0: Yep I, I think, said yeah. that I'd said that I think part to the Autumn Internationals he needs to prove he's that because at the moment that's all he has seen as, as is that sort of impact player and I think there's only so long you can continue to fill that road maybe but maybe within the modern coaching thing you have the whole Eddie Jones you know the finishers type thing but you know he, he still needs to be playing regular rugby I think to get back towards that that should um, be our
1: that should be our pro wrestling kind of tag team name the finishers yeah
0: Oh, triple
1: threat Yeah pretty yeah. fucking badass Lads to be honest <laughs> I'm, I'm really
2: looking forward To seeing Because I think Josh van der Fleer Will start the tests I don't think There's much argument there To be honest But I'm really looking forward To seeing what Nick Timoney does On tour Because Like he's been Exceptional for Ulster And it's almost Like every time Like every time He plays a, a, An unbelievable game Like Josh van der Fleer Just does a little bit more And then he does A little bit more And then Josh does A little bit more And, bit more and it's just that kind of one upmanship all the time. So I think the two of them together on tour are just going to drive each other to no end Now I know they all will drive each other and that's the way it works like but I I just think the two of them like they've just had two exceptional seasons and I, I just I'm really looking forward to seeing what Nick Timoney do- like you know I'm a big Nick, Nick
1: Timoney fan. I think that's fair to say it's There's a, a Nick Timoney poster, poster to- behind you on the wall there like we get it. Yeah, yeah. Um I'm in- I'm surprised <laughs> they let you they let you have that in your cell actually. Yeah, I'm actually I'm
2: my, of, my anyway. beloved Nick Timoney <laughs> Um, for anyone listening, I'm actually at home in Limerick this week, that's why I was late. Um, so I do not have a Nick Timoney poster because I would need to have had it since I was what like <laughs> 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 10. <laughs> so I definitely don't have one by me, but um, it's I, I'm just really looking forward to seeing what he does on tour. I think like he's pushing, like. I mean, I mean, if you said to him like, you know, or if I asked you now, like, what more can he do to get into a test side? Like, I genuinely don't know. Do you know that kind of way? Like, I, I actually, it's just the fact that Josh Van der Fleer is so good. Like, he's you, well, so good. That's what's maybe, keeping him. Maybe out, you I look think.
0: at it. Maybe you look at it differently, and you you say, not necessarily does he go to seven, but I mean, like, could he play that sort of Jack Conan role at eight?
2: There's a thought, because he plays across the back row. Now, he hasn't like, played eight much at all this season with Vermeulen coming in, but he did play eight before. Uh, he played eight the season before, I remember, for Ulster, because I think it was Stuart McCloskey when they signed, when Ulster signed to Vermeulen. Stuart McCloskey looked at Nick Timoney, <laughs> winked at him and said, well, that's the end of you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I, I like I think with Nick Timney, like he is kind of d- d- doesn't necessarily like have a set number on his back. Really, for me, like if you look at the, what the role set he fills, you could see him uh, playing at eight in Ireland system, playing uh, playing in number seven. He can fill those roles, both those roles, I think, really, really well. Uh, and I think you know you look at one thing he might have over Van der Fleer is being a more active lineout guy. Um, but yeah, look, it's it's, it's interesting to see how he'll be used. Like he'll be like I, I think. You look at his potential, this is the opportunity for him to really kind of put himself into that, you know, that that kind of, you know, a closer rotation to that Irish back row. Um, there's a lot of opportunities for guys here to kind of really make a run. Like Gavin Coombs too. Like if he's selected for those Maori games, it's a huge opportunity for him to showcase something that I think Ireland could use, which is like a big ball carrying power forward.
0: I wonder if you might see something like Coombs at eight, um, Prendergast at six and maybe Peter Omani at seven for something like the for the for the Maori game.
1: And the Maori team look fucking good actually. We've seen their yeah, squad was announced today, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. TJ Perinara Is captain, those lads it's just like serious. What? Like their two nines, I think, is TJ Perenara and Brad Weber. Yeah. Like that's
2: exceptional.
1: Like <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> the,
2: Excuse me, the...
0: <laughs> isn't that illegal? <laughs>
2: I know if I was selected I'd be outstretched from my hamstring I don't think i will make it this Lads week. look honestly
1: look you, uh, take a look at their 6 foot 5 tight head you're just like do you know honestly lads, like, I'm not sure the fucking hamstring is going to make it to be honest looking at it it's tightening up Like you can see it look a bit of sorry, between, sorry, bit of sorry lads
2: I actually lost my passport but Jeff you're in New Zealand
1: uh... yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah but I've got to go find it like if I want to go home <laughs> lads
0: right right. we'll move on then to the to the backs I mean like looking at the the half backs I think there's the what is it, scrum halves are Murray, Gibson Park, Casey and the out halves are Harry Byrne, Joey Carberry and Sexton and I, I think it's the same problem in both positions is that the number one is fully defined there the number two in both cases is completely off form Yeah, and the, the third one there is no body of work there that you can talk at certainly an international level and for Harry Byrne, even at provincial level, that you can fall back on to actually get any comfort that when they step up, they're going to be ready for this. Um, Harry Byrne
1: has I, played 15 minutes of knockout rugby this season. He's had four starts at 10
2: for Leinster.
0: He's only kicked three penalties all season. There you
2: are, folks. There's your facts and homework, courtesy of Provincial State of Mind. <laughs> like,
1: it, it is, like fair play to him for getting on the tour first of all but it's just one of those things where what there's no real body of work on field i think looking at harry burns so far that you could go he needs to tour ahead of billy burns even like i'm not talking about oh look ben healy needs to tour like i think ben healy is a good young player but needs work on his game fairly yeah i'd say a considerable bit of work i would say but you look at Billy Burns and go, look, he's had a pretty decent season, like. And you know, like what what has he done wrong as of late? It, that was one that confused me because, it, it, again, look, you could say, look, if, if Harry Byrne was having some really good standout performances from Lens for Leinster in, you know, like even in one of their kind of minor knockout games, for example, but like he hasn't even been selected for those by by Leo Cullen, but yet Andy Farrell. It does It's just It's a bit unusual And I think it kind of Gets people wondering and, and me to be fair As in what criteria Is this being judged on Here's a question for you For both of you It's the first
2: test Sexton starts Carberry's on the bench In the first I don't know 20 minutes Sexton gets injured Carberry comes on Second test rolls around You have the Maori game Now in the middle Right
1: then Harry so- Burn has to start in now
2: Yeah yeah, so let's say you've that Maori game in the middle of the week, you probably have Harry Byrne starting that, right? You have I don't know, look, you have Mike Lowry there, you have Kieran Frawley there, do you know, they can they can I... navigate that as well, do you know, that kind of way. But second test comes up, Carberry starts, Harry Byrne's on the bench, are you flying out another ten? And if you're flying out I... another ten, who is it and what happens, Harry Byrne?
0: I I don't think they're flying out of 10. I I think they're they're going to use Frawley as a auxiliary 10. Yeah, as a, you know, in case of emergency break glass type 10. And they will use that as cover for the Maori games or whatever they need to for that part of it. Um, but the scary thing is that if there is a knock, you're potentially looking at either Frawley or Harry Byrne covering 10 in the test match.
2: Well surely it would be Harry Byrne. You would think so. You would think so. But like judging judging from the squad named and the manner in which it was named, like I would have Harry Byrne, Joey Carberry, Johnny Sexton. If Sexton's not playing a test, surely the other two are playing international rugby against New the Zealand. The All Blacks. Without Inulated. Joey Carberry having much form in the latter half of the season and Harry Byrne just not playing under pressure games at all.
0: Well, I'll I'll put I'll put something maybe put it this way to you. I think for the Murray game first up, it ha- he has to go with Joey Carberry as the starting ten. Yeah, right? because I think I don't think you're you're not going to get you're not going to get the five games out of Sexton starting right, no matter what they try to do. That's never going to happen. So what you've got to do is you've got to get Carberry in, and you have if you you have seen him as as this guy, I think. Byrne, we're, we're saying, is a development player almost for this tour, and he's going to play some of the Maori games, some, some part of that. Carberry has to start the first Maori game. And the question is whether you even have Harry Byrne there. Do you have Sexton on the bench just to warm him up? No. Get some game, game time in ahead of the first test. But Carberry has to start. If Carberry doesn't play well and still has the same problems that he's had in terms of form, et cetera, playing for Munster, what happens for the first test? Because we know Sexton's going to start, are they going to continue on?
1: And we know that, and we know the All Blacks are going to be like literally out for blood in that first twenty minutes of that first test, where they are going to be going. We need to get Sexton off the field here. And it's like, oh my god, would any would any team be so cynical? Legally, all Blacks dads. Yes, (laughs) yes, they fucking would.
2: (laughs) Any New Zealand listeners? We mean legally. I don't. Fuck (laughs) it. (laughs) send any complaints as always send any complaints to info at
0: three red kings they're they're, they're going to play uh, what you call him um, Paolo Matera with a little (laughs) little scrum cap on
1: (laughs) no like because like any any of my buddies from New Zealand that that I've spoken to they are just like (laughs) that you don't know what's coming that the All Blacks know why they lost to Ireland last year and they figured they're gonna put it well right this time around. And physicality is the first thing they're looking at. Which what obviously happened to, is, what
2: happened, Tom, is they actually spoke to me and they said, Jeff, why did we lose? And I said, It's because now get ready, they score boys. Enough points. They didn't score enough
1: points. Well, oh, you were on that you were on that fucking I was
2: I I was sitting next to Joe Schmidt and I said, Joe man, not scoring enough points. It's look at look at look at the scoreboard
1: there. Ireland's
2: Ireland's score was higher than yours. See the way their number is bigger than our number. I I, I was in the New Zealand camp at the time, so I can use our, Uh, I said, I said, we need to either reverse that or just score more. And he said, he said, where were you all these these years? And I said, I was waiting for you. I was waiting for the (laughs) call. Phone never rang.
1: It's a bit like that annoying Matt Williams thing, isn't it? Where he kind of refers to Ireland as we. I don't know why it annoys me, but it does. (laughs) I never noticed that.
2: Um, yeah, I only refer to we when I'm in camp. So I was in camp. At the oh time. yeah. So I can
1: use. You know, I, I was part of the team. Um, you so were. Yes. Actually, I saw the video of you doing a hack. Actually, it was actually it was actually very moving. That's
2: just. <laughs> I, that was it, just it, a video I sent of afterwards. me. <laughs> that was just a video I sent of me there last week to hack out the back. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Tom, look at this. Look at this.
0: <laughs> look at this. Look at this,
2: though. Yeah, but um, I yeah. I just think that idea of out half. I like It's concerning. When I saw when I saw the three out halves named, it's probably the first thing that jumped out at me because first off I thought they were going to take four. Um, but then, you know, Frawley, Lowry, all that kind of thing, that kind of swung it for me. Uh and then when I saw Carty was getting surgery, I thought to myself, right, it's gonna be I thought it would be Sexton Carberry and either Burns slash Healy or Ross Byrne. I yeah. did not see Harry Byrne in with the he was maybe my sixth choice 10.
1: Yeah, like I, I, saw- I, I, I was sure they were going to bring a 45-man squad though. I was looking at the five weeks and thinking it'd nearly make more sense to them to bring 45 here because you can get extra cover at hooker, extra cover at nine. You've got more minutes going around. You don't have to overload your players that guys have to be prepping that everybody is playing, like on your in your, you know, your 23-man squad plus reserves and warm-up guys. Like you're not looking at that and going. Like forty just seems a bit tight to me, especially with like you said they're in specialist positions. Ten in particular. I know you're saying, look, they could they could put Frawley there, like they could in theory, but like against against the All Blacks, like.
2: And and to be fair, if we're saying there's not a huge body of work to prove that at that level for Harry Byrne, the same is definitely applied to Frawley. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. You know, we're not we're not just saying like oh he can do it because you know my thoughts on Frawley as a ten,
1: he can play ten, but he hasn't been. There's a For difference. the most part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a big It's just, It's there. just very unusual. It's just one of those things where if they'd said Ross Burn, I'd be like, okay, look. M- he's, makes he's, sense. Yeah, he's had issues at test level before. He's had a few poor enough games, but he's been playing those games. If, th- if that makes sense. Can you add? Like, he must feel a bit hard done by as well. Yeah, but I mean, look, he signed, did he sign a new two-year deal at Leinster? Yeah, there? he did. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, I think when you sign that you understand that for as long as Sexton is active, you're gonna be the the understudy to Sexton in big games. But like he has played his fair share of knockout games while Sexton has been fit too, you know? But like Oh, but sure, he was trusted
2: for quarterfinal, um, came on in the final against La Rochelle, uh started that semi-final against Bulls, like he was the trusted guy, really.
1: Yeah, it's just like it's just it's just weird that they kind of just for international selection, they just kind of skipped over him as much as I, I think that he has his limits as a player, as good as he is, it, again, it's just like, maybe it's about who he could be, Harry Byrne. But a lot of it, as of late, seems to be who Harry Byrne could be for almost like the last two seasons. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I don't think it helps when you have big personalities coming out and sort of calling for his inclusion in sort of Ireland squads when he's, I'm, I'm not even sure if he played for Leinster at the time.
2: What I would say though, like I didn't hear anybody calling for his inclusion on this squad.
1: No, me neither. That's the no. thing. There was no wild fair, like, campaign and for him. And I, and I know what you're
2: saying, Owen. There was this massive hype around him when he first... Emerged, and you're dead right. And there were big names putting unfair pressure on him. Or you're 100% right there. But when it comes to this tour, I didn't see a single person saying get Harry Byrne on that flight Because he
1: hadn't been playing.
2: Like or there was yeah, nobody there was yeah, nobody it ex- at work ex- to promote it.
0: explains him itself. Yeah, he, he, yeah. he probably has more game time at 12 this season than he does at 10.
1: I think he actually does. Weirdly enough. it. I'd actually say, it's there a reverse gear on He's yeah.
2: st- <laughs> he has four starts at ten. He definitely has two or three starts at twelve. I'd say it could Does be four. four? I was looking Does at it the four? other day.
1: I think it's something like that. Yeah. Well, good grief! I mean It's a bit confusing. I mean, like, yeah. and I'm a, I'm a very smart guy with a big with a big head and a big big skull and, and if, a big a brain. Big, if a big brain guy like me with a big skull is confused, my god.
0: Well, the other thing I'd say is that at at nine, I think, look, it's the same issue as facing with Joey Carberry. Conor Murray is lacking for form. And I think whoever starts that first game against the Maori has a big chance on the tour to to work, um, to establish themselves as the second choice.
1: I think it has to be Craig Casey.
0: No, I think 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 that first
1: Maori game has to be.
0: Well, I don't know. Do you try and get Murray back into form? Because he, he's the guy that you want. Similar well, to Carberry. Similar Munster, to Carberry, I've been trying that for Carb- the last
1: couple of weeks and it did not seem to work.
0: Well, that's that's the point. They've tried it with Carby, they've tried it with Murray, and it hasn't worked. So if you go into that, you're almost saying that if if Murray starts that game and he doesn't play well, then you'll be completely fucked because you're bringing Casey in without any real game time into it. And maybe 20 minutes off the bench off the back of the Murray and then you're putting him on the bench for the for the first game
1: that's why I think they have to start with Casey and with Murray off the bench like I think you learn nothing with Murray off the bench against Murray um, nothing. I, I nothing. agree yeah you have to go with Casey to start that game just so you can get an option to go right a big all-blacks test coming up like this is a, like when I, when I saw Ireland going with a 40-man squad I'm thinking we're going all out to fucking win this Like a 45-man squad is more of a developmental one where you accept that you can, you know, that you're not necessarily going, yeah, we've got our top team, but there's a lot of development to be done here too. I think with a 40-man group, you're putting a really focused squad there. You have to have a look at Casey. If you're only bringing three nines, you have to start him against the Maori, give him 60 minutes and see what happens and put similar combinations around him so you can get a look at him at this level because that's a fucking good Maori team who Ireland had had never beaten actually, weirdly enough.
0: Mm. And then you look at the centres. So you've got Aki, Frawley, Henshaw, Hume and Ringrose. Look, I think that you've got the, the three sort of standard bearers in Aki, Henshaw and Ringrose that will form probably the basis for the vast majority of the tests. I would love to see Hume get a chance outside of maybe Henshaw or Aki um, in one of the, the Mary games. And I think maybe... The first game up is where you try that out because Aki has played what? One game in the last
1: he should be fresh. Two
0: months. He he has to be fresh and he he needs game time. So if you're if you're thinking of that, I think you've got to go with Aki, certainly. And hopefully maybe Hume may get a chance there. I'd say um, you, you and,
1: have to start Hume for that game, I would say.
0: And give him a chance to to show what he can do. And if he passes that, then maybe that's something you're looking towards the the sort of maybe the second or third test then. Yeah, helps because you make it I'm...
1: helps you put pressure on guys who are established guys there, you know. And I think Hume's been playing so well, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, and then looking to the back three, it's Earls, Hansen, Keenan, Larmer, Lowe, Lowry, and Jimmy O'Brien. Um, again, Balakuna I think it was you said Jeff, he was so unlucky to get injured there. I think he was a a definite to to be on on the, the tour. Same probably with Conway, he fits into to Farrell's style. Um, really well um, it's I think one of the things that they have to get from the from the Murray game with the back three is they have to find a replacement and an alternative for Hugo Keenan at fullback. back
1: um, do they like Jordan Larmour there that seems to be the consensus I don't know
0: I I love what Jordan Larmour can do with ball in hand he is absolutely devastating but if you put up contestable kicks to him, it's like kryptonite. Absolute kryptonite.
1: He, like he, he, he will give you at least two or three balls that Hugo Keenan takes clean.
0: For me. And he wanted, one of the problems with that, not necessarily a big problem here, but one of the problems is that opens the door then to scrums. If he's knocking those on or he's concealing those, then you're getting into scrums. And that's where it can get problematic.
1: I'd love if the All Blacks just decided to go like completely anti-All Black rugby and just played like fucking kick pressure for all three tests. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I mean,
1: Just see them uh, shithousing the whole game.
0: Yeah. Love it. <laughs> yeah. win, win, win like, you know, what is it, 10-3 or something.
2: Oh yeah. Those beautiful <laughs> but, games.
0: Yeah, those beautiful games. They could play with that, um, what do you call it, that yellow ball, the pig. Do you remember uh, that one uh, from? Was
2: like Day? Adidas torpedo or something? Was it a? Am I right in saying uh, that? Was it a torpedo? I, am I slandering I, Adidas here when I say that?
0: But, no, it it was, it was an Adidas ball because they brought it in specifically because um, Adidas had um, signed the the what do you call it, um, oh, the, merchandise the or equipment, yeah, yeah, equipment yeah. deal, and and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I remember that one. No one could kick it. It wasn't a Carter and Rodge at the time, and neither yeah. of them could kick the ball. Or was it Martins? I can't remember. Going back that far now, but like that. Um, look, I think ah, for, for the back three, Lowry maybe to get a game. See, starting for the Maury.
1: I'd starting for the Starting uh, versus the Maori.
0: Yeah, um, I, think, I think I think
2: he needs game time too, though, because yeah. been injured for the last few weeks. Uh, it depends. I don't know when is he fully back. Like, is he fully back? Or is he be back like a week in? You know if he has I, the I, phantom, yeah. phantom of the Opera mask, that'd be cool. Yeah, I think, I think, I think yeah. that, you know, if if he's brought on tour because he's going to be declared fully fit, like, I don't know, the day after the Mowry game, obviously he can't play. Do you know that kind of way? Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, if he is fully fit for me, he has to start because like Aki, uh, just hasn't played. Like, it's that simple. Just needs game time, to be honest.
0: Yeah, and I think the same is probably this, uh, true for Mac Hansen. Again, like Aki, probably hasn't played an awful lot. Um, and would need something to bring him up if he's going to be involved at all. Um, I think. And- I think. I think we could have a
2: back three, including both Hanson and Lowry. Yes, or not yeah. Hanson mm-hmm. and Lowry. Sorry, I going mean, to say Hanson and Low. Apologies. Apologies.
1: Oh yeah, you could actually uh, a I, test, I, I, a, I, test I, a test team. I think they like Mac Hansen. He can fit that right wing role and that left wing role that they use. Like, cause they're like they are slightly different. And I, I think that Mack Hansen can give him good coverage there. Like, even as a bench guy, if, even
2: he, even in, in, if you're looking at again, I don't think it altogether comes into selection for the squad. But if you're just looking at form, like yes, Lowry is brilliant. And I know I, 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 I misspoke there and I said Lowry by accident, but. Like Hansen has had probably one of the best seasons, first seasons I've seen from anyone in a long time. Like when you look at how we just entered the conic setup, what he did, came into international rugby, what he did, what he's capable of doing, how exciting he is on the ball. Like just that. I think especially he kind of offers a lot of what the likes of Rob Balakun could offer. Just that spark. Yeah. In attack. So I think we could see a low Hansen. Um, inclusive back three I suppose I should say uh, with Keenan obviously if he's fit um, and that really does make me happy like I know I love scrums and I love line but like I think that makes me happy too
1: it'll also <laughs> lift the spirits uh, you know while you're in jail having those games to watch yeah I'm actually not going to jail people I don't I <laughs> didn't do anything illegal um
2: I'm just you, at home. That's why I was like
1: be, be sure to tell the cops that as well, right? Be sure to tell the judge that.
2: Just like my 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 rugby advice where we have to score more points. I'd be like, excuse me, Gardy, I'm actually not going to jail. I am <laughs> going just, to that just doesn't work for me at all. And they'll they'd be like Oh, where, where, where are we bringing you then? I said, Chicken Hut. You're bringing me to Chicken, chicken Hut. And they'll oh, was say, like, they'll nice say one. oh, and I said, look, I'll buy you a snack box. I'll get extra gravy. It's okay you They're like, oh, a nice one, boy. He's uh, sound. Why, why yeah. were we even arresting him?
1: He's sound, boy.
2: And what? I'd be like, you weren't arresting me. That's the point. Oh, we're giving real yeah. a lift to Chicken Hut. Yeah. And we just go over and over that loop until I run away. I'm still yeah. not going to jail, by the way. I'm, yeah. I've done nothing wrong. <laughs>
0: You're using the old Jedi trick These are not These are not the Jed Negos You desire
2: Well to be fair I actually think I'll be staying in Limerick a while Because I don't think I can afford the diesel To get back to home <laughs> So if, any, like, if anyone feels like I don't know Starting to GoFundMe So Jeff can go home That would be fantastic
1: as well. Hashtag Get Jig back to Dublin <laughs> Don't live in Dublin But it's closer than here Outside I Dublin <laughs> The greater Dublin area
2: Hashtag, I can see that hashtag taken off hashtag get Jake back to the greater Dublin area <laughs> it takes up all the space in your tweets so you can't explain it
0: yep. uses <laughs> all <saw> 140 characters <laughs> right then before we, we wind it up there how many games do you think Ireland can win and how will they do in the test series
1: I think a successful tour Right outside of winning the series, which would be you know fabulous, obviously, I think Ireland would be relatively happy with one test win and winning both games against the Maori. For the degree, I think that's a pass pass mark for Ireland on this tour.
2: I yeah, think that's I, like, do you know when you bring home your exam to your mom in school and it's like 65? Like it's yeah, not slight. quite in the fifties, but it's not the seventies either.
1: She's looking at it, kind of going, uh, like okay. it's good enough. Like it's good enough. I think right. it, That's that's where I think it is. Yeah, I think I think they'd be happy enough with that because you can always sell it first win in, on on you know New Zealand soil, you know, that, like that that in itself would be an achievement. But
2: uh, that, actually, just to jump in, what if it's the third test?
1: Less I, impressive then.
0: Less impressive, but I think if they can get one win, and they don't take too bad beatings in the first two tests. They're relatively close, and they can get game time into the alternatives or the, the younger uncapped players in the Marry games. I think that'll be a successful one.
1: So fickle. So he's actually he's actually wearing an all black polo shirt there. Like believe it or not. So fickle. Watch him. Watch. It's even it's even the new fancy Maori gear. Like I don't know how I be- got it. My beloved wait, wait. New Zealand.
0: <laughs> wait till you see Jeff's Department of Corrections t-shirt <laughs>
2: <laughs> once again not going to jail
1: I like I in because I don't really have too many beefs with too many you know uh, other rugby clubs other than like Leinster, Connacht, Ulster a lot of the Gallagher Premiership and most of the top 14 but if I was to talk about international teams besides Wales and maybe Scotland it would be the All Blacks
0: I what I have one of the Romans ever done
1: for us? <laughs> I don't have much rugby beef, as he lists off pretty much every. <laughs> I just, I can't stand the All Blacks. I just want Ireland to beat them. Um, there's one thing that that
2: uh Clive Woodward did by obviously winning the World Cup that I I really enjoyed, and it's the way he never actually calls them the All Blacks. New Zealand, yeah. I I, I really like that. Um, but I also do like New Zealand's kind of um viewpoint of just focusing on themselves like we're a very good team we do this very well like why would we focus all our worries and stuff like that on the opposition when like we're a very good team i do like that mindset too to be honest
1: yeah or just don't call them new zealand just call them zealand too they don't like that (laughs) the new the newer zealands (laughs) where's where's old zealand (laughs) (laughs) it's in holland
0: those islands just off Australia. Imagine, <laughs> they don't like that. Oh, they don't like
2: that. Imagine they're sitting in the presser, hands go up, and say, oh yeah, first question.
0: Yeah, where's Old Zealand? <laughs> yeah. Isn't it in Denmark? From going from geography or something. I think I think it's in Holland. Is it Holland? Zealand and Holland. Yeah,
2: lads. I won't lie. If there's an actual answer, I don't know. I was just having a crack. Anyway, I hope I hope we, I
1: hope we fucking beat Zealand to the Zealanding. Zealand See on the,
2: the other side of Joe. the fucking world. Fuck them. And, and you know what we have to do to do that, Tom?
1: Beat the fucking shit out of them. No, go again. Owen? Oh. Score Wait more a points. Score more points. Thank you. It's a very I simple win. game. It's a, it's a fucking yeah. simple game. Like He's just yeah, breaking it game. down here. Fucking hell. It's so fucking simple.
0: Right. We'll round it up there, folks. Thank you very much for listening to our ramblings and for supporting the podcast. Please do rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen, as it really helps. And be sure to share the podcast on social media. None of the Irish teams are playing next week, so we can't really say hope your provincial team wins, but hope you have a good week. Chat again.